This is Special Chronicles, giving respect and a voice to people with special needs. I shudder thinking how the world can be so cruel. I lend my voice to those who can't. It's time we try. It's time we care. It's time we stand. It starts with a voice. Welcome to the Special Chronicle Show. This is episode 495. My name is Daniel Spikowski, and I'm the founder of Special Chronicles and a Special Olympic Southern Survival International Global Messenger. Before we begin today's program, a few housekeeping reminders. Visit specialchronicles.com for links to follow Special Chronicles on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And be sure to also to, to subscribe and review this podcast, Special Chronicles, on Apple Podcasts. Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts in addition to listen to the audio program you can subscribe to our channel on YouTube to watch the live stream video episodes and sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive bonus content delivered to your inbox again specialchronicles.com for links to subscribe and follow support for Special Chronicles comes from listeners like you as an independent public media podcast Special Chronicles will, will always be there for you now we're asking you to be there for us as a nonprofit independent media organization, we can only make programs like Special Chronicles with listener support. Our programs provide weekly candid, honest, and inspiring conversations about the people with disabilities community that creates awareness, support, and advocacy within each week's episode. Listeners tell us our shows are an enjoyable and necessary podcast for the intellectual and developmental disability community and everyone else who is able to listen to stories about life from a different angle. Please, if you and your family love our weekly podcast, make a one-time monthly or, or annual gift of thanks today. Support this podcast at specialchronicles.com slash give. That's specialchronicles.com slash give. Our guest this week is Professor Temple Grandin. We are actually featuring an edited version of a presentation that she gave on um, last month's September um, Bridge Town Hall event to uh, over 500 United Airlines employees. And uh, Professor uh, Temple Grandin had spoke about um, visual thinking, which um, is the title of a new book that is being released this week, uh, October 11th. So you can, uh, if you're listening to, to this um, when it drops on Monday, you can pre-order it. Otherwise, if you listen to it later in the week, you can order it. We'll put links in the show notes on specialchronicles.com slash podcast 495. That's 495 uh, for this episode. And uh, to if, if you want like to purchase a book. And now... Uh, we proudly present, Special Chronicles proudly presents an edited presentation from Professor Tumpo Grandin on visual thinking right here on specialchronicles.com. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Um, and my name is, as Joe said, Daniel Skrowski. Um I have drawn hair on the back uh, of my head, uh, bowed on the front. So I'm wearing a blue shirt. This is Bridge. Uh, on the left-hand side, and um, yeah, it's a joy uh, to to be part of United. Uh, I am a Special Olympic Service Ambassador uh, here in Chicago. Uh, I'm 
Um, this October will be three years as I'm one of the OG original Sosas, as we call um, our team. And um, and uh, I'm, I'm honored to be on the bridge boat as the Sosa chair. Um, when I'm not working um, uh, as a service ambassador here in Chicago, I am uh, podcasting on Special Chronicles com, which we'll hear a little bit more about our Unified Work series at the end of the town hall. But I've been podcasting for the past 14 years um, and sharing all um, disability stories and, and voices uh, on, on a um, uh, podcasting platform for the past 14 years. I'm also a Southern Survival International Global Messenger. So there's um, currently 10 of us uh, special Olympics athletes across the globe that that um, that have this role and title as as international global messengers. Uh, I'm an athlete leader here in Illinois, and I'm um, grateful to be part of the, uh, the United team and to um, all, what what you alone if, if if you meet myself or any of the other Sosas here in Chicago or Denver or Houston. You learn that we show kindness and joy and happiness to our customers, to our to our, our, our co-workers, and what you learn in Professor Grandin's um, presentation that those of us that think differently, those of us that 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 have different abilities, we have a lot to offer our society. We have a lot to offer our community. And we have a lot to offer in the workplace. Uh, and so, um, like Jill said, I encourage you all to look in your departments, look in your teams, and, and see how you can uh, um, use those of us uh, who, who might think differently, and and uh, and, and you um, you it. Um, someone once said that it's the white. The, it, it, it's the way uh, it's the white business decision to to have those of us that think differently. So now um, I'll turn it over to Jill to um, uh, uh, in, uh, have us welcome the different hubs uh, that I'll, I'm watching from um, coast to coast. And I'm just going to do this real fast. We people watch parties all over and we wanted to say thank you for being there lax denver houston we have folks uh at csc and out at the airport in chicago and also in newark and so thank you for that you guys big huge shout out to you for being a part of it and uh daniel you i think we're having a little technical yes. difficulties with temple so we're not <laughs> going to have her her video but we have her presentation and her beautiful voice so I'll hand it over yeah. to you to do a great introduction. We are honored to have a very special guest join us to kick off October's National Disability Employment Awareness Month 2022. Professor Temple Grandin is one of the first people to, to document her experiences living with autism, making her a pioneer in autism research. Her unique perspective of the world also allowed her to become one of the greatest animal behaviorists which she credits to her brain thinking in pictures. 
rather than words, just as animals do. Temple currently served as a professor of animal science at Colorado State University, and recently I authored the book Visual Thinking, The Hidden Gifts of People Who Think in, in Pictures, Patterns, and Abstractions. He was the subject of the Emmy and Golden Globe winning biographical film Temple Grandin, which will be available throughout the month of October on our in-flight entertainment systems. Temple is also a very loyal frequent fire on United. She has a three million mile low. So uh, uh, hopefully, um, uh, uh, um, whatever hub you're listening, you can give her a big round of applause. And if you see her in Denver, make sure to say hello. So now uh, it's my honor to um, turn it over uh, and, and welcome Professor Temple Grandin. Well, it's great to be here. Unfortunately, I have hit a firewall, so I'm on a phone patch. And I hope you've got my first slide up. And is my first slide up yet? Yes, ma'am. Yes. It's up yes, for you. Okay. Oh. I'm going to just get Thank started. You. I'll let you know when to change the slides. And the thing I want to talk about today is the importance of different kinds of thinking. In fact, I've got a new book coming out called Visual Thinking. And my next slide, I, I mentioned that the most important thing is you have to realize different kinds of thinking exist. And I was shocked to learn that other people didn't think the same way I think in pictures. And my ability to think in pictures really helped me with my work with animals. Now, the next slide shows my own shadow in a, reflected into a cattle suit, and the animals don't want to walk over the shadow. In my very early work, I wanted to look at what cattle were seeing. And I didn't realize other people thought that was kind of crazy because I didn't know that other people mainly think verbally. And I want to discuss how, you know, all kinds of companies need the different minds. The next slide. And there's scientific research that shows that these different types of thinking actually do exist. I'm a photorealistic visual thinker. I'm an object visualizer. But I cannot do algebra. And when I was out working in construction on uh, supervising a installation of equipment I had designed going to shops where they were building my equipment. I worked with a lot of brilliant mechanics and welders that were probably autistic, dyslexic, or ADHD. Couldn't do algebra. And you know what? They're not getting replaced. Because my kind of mind, the object visualizer, we're good at art, animals, mechanics, and photography. And then you have the pattern thinker. This is your spatial visualizer. They're going to be over in the computer department uh, working on the reservation systems. Everything to do with computers. And then, of course, you have the verbal people. The verbal people, uh, you know, and when we were down in the shop, we'd call them the suits. But you need to have the verbal people to keep things organized. When I worked on my new book, Visual Thinking, um, I collaborated with Betsy Lerner, my co-writer. I'd write the rough drafts. She'd smooth them all out and make them good. The next slide, titled Groundbreaking Scientific Study, um, shows scientific research that shows that different kinds of visualization actually do exist. So the next slide shows kind of a graph here, or a, a, a depicting motion. The object visualizer will tend to see maybe a ball rolling down a hill. Or when I was a child, I loved to go sledding down the hill. Where the engineer, who thinks more mathematically, will kind of just see motion in a more abstract way. OK, the next slide just showed 
so the object visualizer will show a picture of skiing downhill and the visual spatial gets more a schematic representation but the thing that's interesting is the verbal thinker will put a picture like a shopping cart that stopped that's not even relevant and i'm going what you had a scientific study that showed that that's just absolutely crazy now another very interesting study which again is in my book on visual thinking is an eye gaze study and let's say you have a, a descriptions of how maybe a pump works the object visualizer like me will look at the pictures the verbal thinker will look at the written description and the more mathematical guy will look at both so the next slide another fascinating study where they had um a student from an art school science school and a humanities school the verbal thinkers create planet teams of students and the art students would make a planet with crystal one planet would be all crystal another planet would be polar bears fantastic buildings the science students would make a more plain and describe the atmosphere and the humanities students kind of did splotchy abstract art and put words on it but then they erased the words because it was against the rules and the thing that was real interesting is the mathematical kids and the art kids carefully planned their projects verbal thinkers did no planning because one of the problems as it shows on the next slide the verbal thinkers tended to over generalize verbal thinking over generalizes so we have to have an inclusive environment i'm going to think of specific situations where an inclusive environment is working and i'm now seeing the denver air terminal and the uh, people that are there that are helping uh, passengers check in you see that's specific it's not general i'm also seeing a mechanic i think he's retired long gray hippie hair he's been on my plane several times i think he was trying to find the dirtiest safety vest club and um, he's probably the best mechanic you had probably one of those um visual thinkers like me who can't do algebra but if the plane's got something really weird wrong with the electrical system this is the guy that can fix it and the object visualizers and the spatial visualizer are bottom up verbal's top down the other kinds of minds are bottom up now in 2019 i visited some places and i've started realizing there are things that we are not making anymore this is a concern the next slide shows the inside of a state-of-the-art electronic chip making machine that's the inside and my next slide shows with all the covers taking off taken off what it looks like uh, without the covers now there's lots of parts in there that a visual thinker would would make so you need the skilled trades people we are paying the price right now for taking skilled trades out of the schools shutting down engineering departments in big corporations the next slide just shows a fancy electron microscope from germany we don't make that and then in 2019 before COVID hit i went and visited this pork processing plant and all of that equipment's imported most of it from holland and then i went to the uh, steve jobs theater the mothership and i found out that the structural glass walls came from italy and germany and the roof came from dubai we're not making that and the next slide shows the mars rover taking a selfie of herself and uh, parachutes coming down on mars that cloth comes from the uk woven on high-tech european looms 
crack down the vendors. The next slide shows the price we've paid for taking the hands-on classes out of the schools. Worst thing we ever did. Art, sewing, woodworking, cooking, theater, welding, auto shop. I've worked with a lot of people that had small shops. And they started out because it took a single welding class. They grew up working on cars. Kids are not doing that now. They're getting addicted to video games. I can tell you how to get them off the video games. Car mechanics. There's been five or six cases where young adults found that fixing things was much more interesting. And I'm sure fixing planes would be super interesting. And you need these visual thinkers that aren't that good at math. Now, the next slide shows an airplane under construction. And this originally came from the engineering department at Texas A&M University a number of years ago. Engineers calculate risk. Object visualizers see risk. And this used to be a question that got um, uh, given to all the freshman engineering uh, cl classes. So a Boeing engineer would come in and say, a heavy toolbox dropped on the wing of the plane. And when the mathematical engineers analyzed it, it was stressed. But it was still within the critical limit. So the correct answer is what? On the next slide, the correct answer is you throw the whole wing away. That's the correct answer. And I'm now visualizing taking heavy equipment, smashing up that wing, so there's no way it could get in the new airplane. 18 years ago, and that's now probably more than 20 years ago, since I talked to the engineering department, 90% of the students were correct. In 2014, only 60% were correct. We're going totally mathematical and taking out the visual. Yeah, you drop one of those great big, huge, heavy toolboxes, and I'm now seeing them on different construction projects I've been on the wing of the airplane. I think the wing needs to get thrown away. Now, visual thinkers can see risk. The next slide shows the launch pad. And we already talked about the raccoon, so let's skip through the raccoon slide there and go into a slide on collaboration on building large food processing plants. I've worked for every major meat company. And what I have found is the object visualizers working in the shop, people that might just have a high school education and one welding class, are inventing and designing mechanically complicated equipment. And, and uh, the more mathematical engineers are doing the boilers and the refrigeration. That re stuff requires a lot more math. Um, but my kind of thinkers, barely graduated my school, they might have 20 patents. They may have an equipment shop that's spe selling specialized equipment all over the world. And the next slide shows a patent for an autopilot. My grandfather was the, a co-inventor of the autopilot for airplanes. And he is a mathematically trained uh, MIT engineer. And he worked together with a visual thinker who came up with this crazy idea for three little coils. And they tinkered and they tinkered in a loft over a, over a place where they fixed um, trains. And they finally got it to work. And it was in every warplane during World War II, except the stolen version was in the warplane. This is where he needed a lawyer. This is where he needed what we call a suit, a lawyer to um, prevent the invention from getting stolen. Now, in my new book, this is an example of collaboration. I wrote the first drafts, and I associate things. My writing's not that well organized, and Betsy Lerner organized my thoughts. We were a great collaboration. Let's skip over the picture of the mixing devices. 
And the next slide then says 20% of the people I've worked with were either autistic, dyslexic, or ADHD. And these people owned metal fabrication companies, multiple patents. Yeah, we're paying the price in a lot of industries for shutting down in-house engineering departments. And I can tell you right now, in my industry, we're having a difficult time finding people to fix things. We're paying the price for taking out hands-on classes. And we're paying a price for outsourcing in-house engineering. This also is happening in the car industry. Really serious. The next slide just says that grandparents often came up to me. And they told me that they discovered they were autistic when the kids got diagnosed. And they had decent jobs. They learned how to work. Because one of the problems we've got today with autism is you're going from Einstein and Elon Musk to somebody who can't press themselves. So the next slide asks, what would happen to some of the today's, yesterday's great innovators? What would happen today? Would Michelangelo on the next slide be less successful? At tw age 12, he dropped out of school. He was a grubby little kid that ran around in all the churches and looked at the great art. So that's exposure. To get into careers, you've got to be exposed. He was also exposed to stone cutting tools. I got interested in the cattle industry because I got exposed to it when I was um, a teenager. We got exposed kids and then mentoring. And I had great teachers and great mentors. The next slide shows Einstein and Steve Jobs, two people that were probably on the spectrum. He had no speech until age three. Steve Jobs was bullied in school, but they also had creative hobbies. And by having creative hobbies, People that have creative hobbies are more likely to win a Nobel Prize. The next slide just shows um, Thomas Edison, high school dropout, probably had autism. He'd probably be your best airplane mechanic, too. You need him. The next slide just shows Elon Musk, horribly bullied, but he learned work ethic at a very young age. So let's look at the next slide on the jobs for the different kinds of minds. My kind of mind, you can't do algebra. We're very good at graphics, art, photography, on uh, mechanics, anything mechanical, skilled trades. And, I, and you see in Europe, they didn't like kind of uh, stick their nose up at the skilled trades, skilled trades and consider it less a form of intelligence. I worked out on these big construction projects. These were complicated things. I look at some construction now I've seen in some places, and I go, why are they doing some of the stuff that they're Doing. I just can't believe they're doing it. And then your engineering, math mind, engineering, computer science, musician. And I was a, when I was in college, I got exposed to the same exact computer that Bill Gates was exposed to. He could do it. I couldn't. But I got exposed to it. I was exposed to musical instruments. That didn't work for me either. But my mother always encouraged my ability in drawing. And then your verbal thinkers, sales, finance. Um, the teachers, lawyers, those are going to be your verbal thinkers. So the next slide talks about arts foster success. I already mentioned this, that somebody that um, um, had creative hobbies, they were scientists, they were more likely to get a Nobel Prize. So how did I manage to you know, get started in the cattle industry when I was so weird? And what I learned is I learned to sell my work instead of myself. And the next slide shows the Get Fat project that was shown in HBO movie. I showed people my work. All right, so let's look at hiring practices. 
I get asked about that all the time. Let's skip the regular interview process. Your best airplane mechanic is probably going to be really awful in the interview. Um, your very best computer programmer probably going to be really awful in the interview. These are people that need to come in and have the opportunity to show off what they can do, either with mechanics or with computing. Uh, next slide shows the, um, the drawing that I sent to the Cargill Corporation back in the late 80s, and I designed the front end of all the Cargill plants. Now, why do I have written on this slide that you have to touch to perceive? Well, I watched the industry back in the mid-90s switch from hand drafting to computer drafting, and I started seeing strange mistakes on drawings. Like the center of the circle wasn't in the center of the circle. They left the reinforcing rod out and just had it in the verbal specification. And the people that did those really kind of bad drawings that lacked detail, they were the people that um, had never built anything and had never drawn by hand. I'm concerned today that too many kids are growing up today totally separated from the world of the practical. So the next few slides just show stuff I put in the portfolio to show off my work when I sent it to Cardio. There's a curved handling system, and the reason for making it curved is to take advantage of the natural tendency of the cattle to go back to where they came from. And then there's an aerial view on the next slide of the replica that was built for the movie. And then I made a nice brochure. I basically wanted to give uh, the head of Cargill a 30-second wow. But this kind of work has to be shown to people that will appreciate it, which will probably not be the people in the human resources department, because some of your best mechanics and some of your best computer programmers are probably going to interview really, really bad. They need to have the opportunity to come in and show the work. The next slide, this shows another facility I did in 1983, and half the cattle in North America right now are handled in equipment I designed. Now, let's just give you some tips for working with people that are different, and then we'll get into the questions. So they'll have to be read to me because we're doing a phone patch around the firewall right now. Uh, this happens all the time. When we had the practice call, everything worked fine. Then once we got the big meeting going, couldn't get in. Now, people like me, we were a computer. We would be uh, like a phone on one bar of service. Slow processor speed, gigantic memory. And uh, multitasking, I'm not going to be good at that. Um, any task that involves sequence, okay, you're teaching somebody, okay, the steps for, um, you know, checking people in onto an airplane, give them a checklist. Well, I've noticed you've already done that. <laughs> but you give them a checklist of the steps because I do not remember long strings of verbal information. Also, we've got to be careful with uh, bosses. I've seen situations where that person that's kind of odd works just great with one boss. And then another boss comes in, and it's a complete disaster. They don't know how to understand how to work with the guy who's really weird but super good at fixing things. Uh, now, some of this is aimed at um, you know younger kids. You know, give them some choices. I'll tell you one thing: it doesn't work um, with the, some of the minds that are different. Vague instructions don't work. You know, you don't just say design some new software. They need to have something very specific. They're supposed to design in the software, and they need to be told what the outcome for that software is. You know, very clear as to what the job is. Vagueness does not work. There also can be problems with personal hygiene, and I had some of that problem. 
And what you do is you pull the person into a private office and you explain they've got to clean it up. On, on my very first job, I criticized the welding. And I said, well, what pigeon do do? And the plant engineer pulled me into his office in the boiler room. I remember this really well. And he made me apologize for saying that it looked like bird doo doo. Um, that's not the way to handle things. He also explained to me that the welder was his employee. And if I did not like the welding, I should have gone to him. So my last slide before we go into questions is what is the ultimate goal of education? Where is a student 10 years after high school? I was working on those dipping vat projects. And I'm getting very concerned now that a lot of kids like me are just getting screened out. We can't do algebra. Well, when you have the airplane that has a gnarly electrical problem that no one can fix, it's not going to be the, the, the mathematician that's going to fix it. It'll be the guy that can visualize the entire wiring harness. There's people that can do that. It's different kinds of thinking. And the thing is, we need to have all of the different kinds of minds. Support for Special Chronicles comes from Comed. Special Chronicles is proud to partner with the Comed Energy Force Ambassador Program. The Energy Force is the country's first energy efficiency education program designed for and taught by people with disabilities. Comed is powering lives and really is powering us here at Special Chronicles to keep the lights on and our technology is powered on. As Comed powers the lives of us, they're literally giving a voice to people with, with special needs. We thank Comed for the general support of our mission at Special Chronicles. Learn more at specialchronicles.com slash Comed. That's specialchronicles.com slash Comed. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Special Chronicles Shows podcast. Visit specialchronicles.com to follow Special Chronicles on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and don't forget to hit the bell to be notified of new episodes. Also, subscribe to our newsletter mailing list to sign up for our updates and get exclusive content delivered to your inbox. Remember to do what you do with these podcasts. Subscribe or follow and rate and review Special Chronicles on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, please share this episode and all of our podcasts with your friends and family to help us grow our audience and uh, reach 5,000 downloads of our audio podcasts and over 14,000 average monthly listeners. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next week with exciting new guests. See you next week. Special Chronicles, giving respect and a voice to people with special needs.